If you're a believer listening to my voice, you need a battle plan because you are in a battle, but the battle belongs to the Lord. And the book of James gives us a battle plan, a battle plan for the world, the flesh, the devil, the spiritual battle that we all face. And if we read the scriptures and apply them and lean into the Lord and trust in him and clothe ourselves with the armor of God, we will experience consistent victory. More on that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. James 4 is going to tell us uh, some key things about how we win the battle, how we experience the grace of God. If you pick up James 4 and verse 6, here's where we ended last time. It says, he, James 4, 6, but he, God, gives a greater grace. Grace is a beautiful word in uh, Greek. It's charis. It's spelled C-H-A-R-I-S, charis. And it speaks of God's goodness and benevolence. When we think of salvation, we, we know we're saved by grace. It's a free gift. But the grace that saves us is also the grace that sustains us and gives us the ability to fight victoriously. So Paul, when he was praying about that thorn in his flesh, heard these words from the Lord in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, where he said, my grace is sufficient for you. He's not speaking about salvation grace, but strengthening grace. For my strength or my power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul says these words, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities or weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. There's an interesting dynamic in the Christian life, and it's something that you discover as you go, that when you're weak, then you're strong. And here's why. Because your reliance upon Jesus, your uh, aptitude, if you will, to go to the throne of grace is probably going to happen more when you're not feeling the strongest. And so when you're weak and when you feel like you, you can't figure it out and you don't have the means or the wisdom to do it, it drives you to God. And the Lord uses those kinds of things to shower us with grace. Some years ago, Bono, the lead singer of the band U2, said, the most powerful idea that's entered the world in the last few thousand years is the idea of grace. It's the reason I would like to be a Christian. Now, this is some years ago. And I think what happened with Bono, and I don't know all the details, but Bono confessed he was a Christian. I think he walked away for a while. And I don't know if it had to do for moral reasons or what was going on in his life at the time. But I believe I've watched an interview since, and he seems like he's returned to the Lord. But be that as it may, he says in this quote, he says, Though, as I said to The Edge, the U2 guitarist one day, I sometimes feel more like a fan. He says, the idea of grace is the reason I would like to be a Christian, though, as I said to the edge one day, sometimes I feel more like a fan rather than actually in the band. I can't live up to it. But the reason I would like to is the idea of grace. It's really powerful. 
It's something that's really unknown even in other world religions because other world religions really teach that you get something because you did something. But God's grace is God's goodness and benevolence simply because he wants to shower it upon us. But I do want to qualify something and say to you that there is a way of accessing grace, not so much a work, but so much as putting yourself in a posture to receive it. In other words, God wants to dispense grace, but if you're going to get grace, you've got to put yourself in a position to receive it. If you ignore the things of God, if you walk around in puffed up pride, if you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you don't go to church, the ways that God dispenses grace are going to be limited to you because you're not accessing them. Maybe a simple way to put it is if the faucet is uh, pouring out the grace, if you don't position yourself like this to receive it, you're, gonna, you're not going to get much. So you got to go to your Bible. you got to go to prayer. You've got to access the things where you can receive grace. You, can go, you have to go to the throne of grace available to us 24-7. But we got to go there. This early church that James is addressing obviously had issues. They were fighting. They were fighting for positions. They were wounding one another with their words. James chapter 3. Pride was penetrating their fellowship. They were lusting. They were praying in the wrong way for selfish reasons. And James, I, I was up in Idaho visiting a friend this last week. And we had a chance to go to the radio station where uh, Walk in Truth is broadcast in the Spokane, Washington, and northern Idaho area. So we went to this little radio station. And it's called KYMS 89.9 in northern Idaho. <clears throat> And the station is actually beneath an old church. It's a really interesting spot. And we talked to a couple of the guys. Lee is the station owner, uh, along with a, another lady. And uh, Chris is like a morning host. And Chris said, yeah, the book of, you're studying the book of James. And he goes, you know, another name for the book of James is the book of Frank. Because James is very Frank, isn't he? <laughs> and I said, I'm Italian. I know a lot of Franks. But... But that's James, right? He's just very frank. He's just really right to the point. In your face, in your kitchen. But maybe that's what we need to listen. A lot of you have come up to me and said, man, I'm really enjoying the book of James. And sometimes after you walk away, I'm like, really? <laughs> You're enjoying this book? <laughs> but I know what you mean. You're growing through it. You're being challenged. And don't we need to be challenged in Proverbs 4, excuse me, in uh, James 4, verse 6, he's quoting, you might want to note this, Proverbs 3, 34. God is opposed to the proud. So if you don't want to get grace, if you want to get God's opposition, there's the formula. But he gives what? Grace to the humble. That's the posture of receiving a greater amount of grace is humility. And humility is so hard. The moment that you think you've got it, you lost it. <laughs> right? It's like the guy who won the most humble man of the year award and they gave him a t-shirt and he wore it and he wasn't the most humble man of the year anymore. Right? That's just how it works with humility. It's a tricky thing. One summer afternoon, a bird flew through the open window into a chapel where a service was being conducted. Full of fear, it flew backwards and forward near the ceiling and against the windows, vainly seeking a way out into the sunshine. 
In one of the pews sat a lady who observed the bird while thinking how foolish it was not to fly out through the open door into liberty. At last, the bird's strength being gone, it rested a moment on one of the rafters. Then seeing the open door, it flew out into the sunshine, venting its joy in a song. Then the lady who had been watching the little bird thought to herself, am I not acting as foolish as, that, as I thought that bird was? How long have I been struggling under the burden of my sin the, in the vain endeavor to get free, and all the while the door of God's grace has been open wide? Then and there, a decision was informed to enter in. Pride will shut the door. It will cause you to miss the open doors to grace. You won't access them because you don't think you need them. But when you have a moment, an epiphany, if you will, of how much you need grace, and sometimes it's in the lowest moments of your life, you find doorways, sometimes new doorways to freedom. It's unexpected, but this is the way God works. And so in these few verses, in James 4, verses 7 through 10, we're going to get a little bit more about how we access grace. What are the keys? Here's verse 7, James 4. It says, submit, therefore, to God. Notice the words, therefore, are in light of verse 6 and what has come before it. If you want to access this grace, you've got to submit to God. Submit, therefore, to God. If you want the grace, you've got to submit. The word submit is hupotasso in Greek, and it's a military uh, word to fall into rank, to listen to God's commands as your general, as your leader, and do them. To say, whatever you say, Lord, that's what I'll do because I am in, I'm under your rank. Whatever my leader says, that's what I'm going to do. Submit to God. That's a key to receiving grace. Fall under rank. You might say, well, how do you submit, Pastor Michael? Very simple. Start your day by saying, Lord, I belong to you. I am a servant of the king and the kingdom. I want to put on the full armor of God by grace. Make me what you want me to be today. Fill me with your spirit. Lead these feet where you want them to go. Take this mouth and use it for your purposes. Uh, use these eyes in the right direction. Open my ears to your truth. Lead my feet to share the good news of the gospel. Submit, enlist under God. You've got to make a decision. If you list in, enlist in the military, you don't just decide what your day is going to look like, right? You get up when they say to get up. When they say jump, you say how high, right? And you make your bed in the morning. And all God's people said, amen, <laughs> right? And there are certain expectations because you have enlisted. Well, as a Christian, you've enlisted under God. So enlist under God. If you want the devil to flee from you, you must enlist under God. Sometimes people take verse 7 and they take part B. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. It's true, but you're not going to resist the devil until you submit to God. Amen? And the idea of submitting to God Another military metaphor is this. It's put on the what? Full armor of God. That you might take your stand against the schemes of 
the devil. We are in a spiritual battle. Whether you believe it or not, some of you have gotten really close to seeing that spiritual battle. Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Another military metaphor is this. It's put on the what? Full armor of God. That you might take your stand against the schemes of the devil. We are in a spiritual battle. Whether you believe it or not, some of you have gotten really close to seeing that spiritual battle. Sometimes it's more, uh, maybe we can sense it in deeper ways at certain times than others. But if you are going to resist the devil, you must submit to God. Submission to the spirit instead of the flesh. Be strong in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. F.B. Meyer says, The only hope of decreasing self is an increasing Christ. Or as John the Baptist put it in John 3.30, He must increase, I must decrease. These are the winning formulas. This is the battle plan. It's so different than the world. It's humility and submission the devil is a master, I heard Alistair Begg say recently, at exploiting our wounded pride. The devil is a master at exploiting our wounded pride. And so we walk around as Christians, oftentimes defeated, because we don't want to admit to God that we need help. We don't want to say, maybe I'm not doing so well in this spiritual battle. Maybe I've fallen into a habitual sin pattern, or I've gotten away from my Bible, or I'm not walking in the Spirit as I should. And there's a simple remedy. Go back to your Father. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have ordained, says David, what is man that you take thought of him? And the son of man that you care for him, yet he does. And he says, if you'll just humble yourself, you will get all the grace that you need. There are two bookends in the text that we should take note of. Submit to God is verse 7. And then verse 10 is the second bookend. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord. So if you see these two commands or exhortations as bookends, then what goes in between we can see is the, the various steps. There are three couplets in between the two bookends of matching commands in between. Arkant Hughes says the Greek language is even more clipped so that the commands that follow come in jackhammer burst. Submit to God. Resist the devil. 
and he will flee from you. Some people say, has the devil actually tempted me before? I don't know if Satan actually has ever been involved in a temptation for me personally or you. I don't know. But I know he has demonic forces and I know ultimately they're under his charge or sway. And I know he is called the tempter in the scriptures. And I can see in Genesis 3 when he tempted our first parents with lies. With saying, oh, you don't, you don't have everything you think you have. If you eat of that fruit, your eyes will be open. You'll become as gods. Promises, promises. And he, he makes you look at the dangling forbidden fruit and says, oh, just take a bite. Things will be better for you. And we wonder what our first parents were doing near that tree to begin with. What was Adam doing? What was Eve doing? Not resisting the devil, playing with fire. The word resist in verse 7 is an interesting word. It's another military word, and it means to stand against or oppose, to withstand or to resist. Brothers and sisters, we are in a battle. We have to understand the nature of the battle. It's a battle between flesh and spirit between heaven and hell, if you will. And you are on the winning team. The war has been won. Amen? But the battle still wages. Satan is a loser in the ultimate sense, but he's still uh, going about as a roaring lion seeking those he can devour, 1 Peter 5.8. We were talking last night at the house, and it struck me as conversation was going on that the command to submit to God and resist the devil is not only individual, but corporate. Please hear what I'm about to say. This church was losing to the influence of Satan, where they were now fighting each other, they were lusting for power, they were depending on demonic wisdom, they were wounding one another, and there is a corporate command in James 4, 7. Collectively, corporately, we need to submit to God and resist the devil. Example, if, if a people in the church don't have submission going on, for example, in marriage or to church leadership or in other contexts of the world, if we sit here and say, I'm submitted to God, but we can't submit in our earthly relationships where it's legitimate and appropriate, then are we submitted to God? Or is that just simply words? Yeah, I'm submitted to the Lord, but I won't listen to my boss. I'm submitted to the Lord, but I won't obey the law. Are you then? You see, there are other implications, and the corporate implication, the whole church implication is this. If we don't collectively submit to God, we give a foothold to the enemy to get into the church. And he does it. We give him a foothold with unresolved anger and petty fights. We're in a struggle. 1 Peter 5.9 says, Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. Jonathan Edwards said, The best protection one can have from the devil and his schemes is a humble heart. One of the devil's primary purposes is to separate God and man. 
If he can cause the Christian to lean on his own ability and pride and strength, he has won. I want to show you a battle scene. Turn to the book of Exodus. Genesis, Exodus, second book of your Bible. Exodus 17, familiar story. The children of Israel have crossed the Red Sea. They've sung the song of Moses, Exodus 17. God uh, describes himself as Yahweh Rapha, their healer. He says, if you follow me in my ways, then I will not put the same diseases that I put on the uh, Egyptians. God gives them manna in Exodus 16, the bread of heaven, if you will, that comes down and feeds them. In the first part of Exodus 17, they don't have water. They cry about it. And Moses strikes the rock and water comes out miraculously. Right after those miracles and the nation kind of getting its feet grounded, if you will, after they test the Lord, they say in Exodus 17, 7, is the Lord among us or not? Are you kidding me? <laughs> How much do you need to see? Ten plagues weren't enough for you? The opening of the Red Sea wasn't enough for you? The drowning of the Egyptian army wasn't enough for you? The manna from heaven, the water from the rock, how many miracles do you need to see? Just one more. Just one more. Here's what happens. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses, Exodus 17, 9, said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out and fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him, fought against Amalek, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Verse 12. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands we need friends, we need brothers, we need sisters in Christ when we get tired. It's another way that God dispenses grace is through the body of Christ. One was on his one side, the one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. And so Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, write this in a book as a memorial, recite it to Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, verse 15, and named it, The Lord is My Banner. Many of you have heard this. It's Jehovah Nisi, N-I-S-S-I, -S -S or Yahweh Nisi, The Lord is My Banner. And he said, The Lord has sworn the Lord will have war against Amalek or the Amalekites from generation to generation. Everybody look at your Bible and notice the altar that Moses erected was named Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. There's a lot of studies that have been done on the Hebrew word here. Nisi, it can mean refuge, it can mean help, it can mean the Lord is my victory, the Lord is my help, the Lord is my refuge. Um, you can think of a banner, it's translated the Lord is my banner, where uh, ancient armies would fight under the banners uh, or the flags of their gods. So they would have something that would be a symbol of their god on the flag or the banner. They would march out. The children of Israel marched behind the ark quite often. 
And Nisi, interestingly enough, could be rendered, the Lord is the one I lean on. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is the one I lean on. Who do you lean on? I was talking with Dr. Green, a good friend who studies the Hebrew language, and he said, you know, after you discover that that may well be what Nisi means, the Lord is the one I lean on, everybody wants to break out, lean on me when you're not strong. Come on. I'll help you carry on. Okay, that's enough. Anyway. This is what James is saying. If you want to win the battle, you must lean on the Lord. Who have you been leaning on? Hey, listening family. If you're new to Walk in Truth, my name is Michael Lance. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona in Southern California. Hey, recently I've written a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It shows you how to put on what God has provided so that you can stand strong in the spiritual battle and stand strong against temptation with the resources that God provides. This book is available at the store at walkintruth.com. Go to walkintruth.com, click on the store, click on the book. I'll get you a signed copy and your donation will help support Walk in Truth and help us reach out to more people. Again, the book is Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, available at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael would love to hear from you. You can write him when you visit walkintruth.com.